And here we go. Welcome to another episode of Bring Back Humanity. This is your host, Adam. And I'm going to be recording in the backyard today, enjoying this weather while I still can. So, today's concept, eudaimonia, you may have heard of it before. It is an ancient Greek idea that reaches its most crystallized, I believe, in Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. Now, it is typically translated as happiness, or understood as human flourishing. So, let's get into what that actually means. Aristotle and contemporary thinkers agreed that all human actions aim towards some good. And if we were to Look at the meta principle, so to speak, what any human action in general is aimed at. This highest good is happiness. However, there are disagreements, disagreements as to what happiness is. For some schools of thought, it was pleasure. For others, it was honor. And for yet others, it was wealth. But to Aristotle, it was none of these. For he reasoned that any animal could feel pleasure and for things such as honor or becoming virtuous these in a sense especially honor had to had to be bestowed upon a person from another so it was not self-sufficient in itself and then wealth I don't believe needs an explanation as to why that doesn't lead to this idea of happiness now for Aristotle this happiness required something entirely unique to humans, and that is reason. He came to the conclusion that it was reason alone which humans shared amongst themselves and nothing else. So to unpack this concept, we need to understand that there are two spheres of action which must overlap before happiness can bloom, so to speak. And these were living well and doing well. Now this living well is tied to the word arete, which in Greek can be translated as virtue or excellence. So it's not virtue in the sense of morality. It is much closer to let's use the let's use a Greek example. In Homer's Iliad, we learn of Achilles and of his excellence or arete, his virtue on the battlefield. He is a warrior with no equal. So just as a war, uh, the ability to kill is a virtue in a warrior. That is, that is what we were looking at. Say, speed is a virtue in a racehorse. We are moving along those lines. And for the doing well, to Aristotle, that meant the state in which one was born. So not just the country and government, but the house the 
family, the type of food, the education, everything external was a factor. There was no single root cause into what gave happiness. It was an accumulation and blooming of several things. But I believe the most important are these concepts, arete, along with reason. So, to Aristotle, the highest good, which is the end goal for all men in a specific sphere, was politics. And because of this, I believe Aristotle meant that for one to be happy, there had to be an overlap of excellent reasoning ability and the use of it in choosing what to do and when to do it. Now this kind of seems like striving for perfection, but I, I think that is too easily falling into the trap of becoming instead of being. So let me unpack this a little more. These, these spheres. One has to use reason to understand when to go about pleasure, when to go about honor, when to go about wealth. And for Aristotle, the fourth and the most virtuous was contemplation, living a life of contemplation. So one must use reason to find a harmonious balance among these subspheres. But there is also the social sphere. To Aristotle, you couldn't simply have your pleasures, your wealth, and your honor and live a life of complete solitude. One must had to have some type of social intercourse, whether it was dealing with family and friends or more natural to Greek times, joining the political debates. So how I tie this all together is with a personal experience of mine. When I was in the Marine Corps, it was my job to work on ground-to-air communication equipment from radios to antennas, cryptographic gear, things such as that. And when I was in the Marine Fleet, the Fleet Marine Force, I was starting to feel less than appreciated and getting a bit frustrated at my inability to pick up rank. Because in the Marine Corps, unlike all the other branches, one has to have the ability to move up by there actually being space to be promoted. Whereas in the other branches, there is some of that, but it is more loosely based off of one being able to demonstrate through tests and special skills that they are ready to be promoted. So I had been in 
for several years at this point and was still waiting to pick up rank when you know, people younger, less experienced, been in the Marine Corps less, they were getting promoted. So I would say my drive to be a highly functioning Marine was waning. But there were certain Marines who, regardless of what was happening, say a senior enlisted was making us go do some completely dumb bullshit. I, at the time, thought maybe it would be better not to do that. So I, I among other people, <laughs> you know, would just poke around, go grab some water, whatever it is, not quite doing everything I could. And these Marines, despite knowing how much it was bullshit, they, they excelled. They acted excellently. They did not wait for anyone to tell them what to do. They looked at the situation, saw Marines were not at the highest morale, and they led by example. It wasn't necessarily their job or their rank's duty to ensure that the mission accomplished occur mission accomplishment occurred in such a way, but they did it regardless. And so I think that is as generally speaking as close as one might get in this military conception. But there is also another way I like to think about this concept of eudaimonia that is directly related to the job I had in the Marine Corps, which was uh, often repairing electronic equipment, which is a very, very detail-oriented job because if you do the wrong thing, you could get shocked or worse. So this type of job entailed uh, my favorite, which was actually soldering RF cables and making sure they could transmit data from radio to antenna. So these things had to be built just right and that would require soldering these tiny little things together and all sorts of stuff. But it, when, when you're doing it, one kind of forgets that, say, they're in the Marine Corps and they've been in for years and they're stuck in a desert and it's 120 degrees outside. You forget all that bullshit. You, you start to fall into the action. You start to do it with reasoning ability and it brings a level of awareness out, which isn't um, typical, I would say. Now, one might think of this in the sense of flow. One has a difficult task or one that requires a lot of concentration, but it is not a boorish task. And also, it is one which serves a purpose, not just for self. So for me, I had to do that because that was, well, that was my fucking job. So it wasn't just for self. It was for community as well. It was for my fellow Marines. It was for mission accomplishment. It was for doing the job. And so I think this concept can kind of be associated between these things. It is doing something 
which brings out our awareness in something that might be a bit more difficult or outside of our technical proficiency. It forces us to be outside our bounds a little bit, but in such a way that we find enjoyment in it. And that is the thing. Happiness is not about pleasure or emotional states. It is, it is an action. It is the experience of action. And for Aristotle, this concept was completely hollow if the person cannot experience it. So I want you to see if you can experience it, to see if you can align yourself in a way which benefits you but also benefits your friends or your family or your company, whatever it is, some mutual harmonious alignment between, between self and society. And as part of that, you can reach me at hereticalhumanism.com, H-E-R-E-T-I-C-A-L, humanism.com, under the contact button and let me know what you think. I would like to go into this concept further. It's about 200 pages, so it requires some work, but let's just hear what you guys think for now. Thank you very much, and I hope to hear from you guys soon.